Welcome to Dave Zale Crypto Take. Today is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. Let's take a look at today's charts. At number one, BTC is at $43,903.89, up 5.16%. At number two, Ethereum, $3,136.84, up 4.45%. Tether at number three, $1. BNB, number four, $432.77, up 4.47%. USD coin, number five, 99 cents. Cardano, number six, $1.25, up 9.97%. At number seven, XRP, 82 cents, up 22.33%. Number eight, Solana, $116.38, up 2.69%. Terra, at number nine, $58.58, up 6.49%. And last but not least, number 10, Polkadot. $22.07, up 1.97%. Let's take a look at the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. Extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. So what we got today is neutral at 48. Yesterday was fear at 45. Last week was fear at 26. And last month was extreme fear at 23. Let's take a look at our five articles today. Article number one is... This is where these factors affecting Bitcoin's price movements will take it. Number two, what do you actually own when you buy an NFT? Number three, the A to Z of what Bitcoin's recovery is suggesting. Article four, Bitcoin will reach 200K in second half of 2022. FSI Insight says, and last but not least, number 10, the Bitcoin family immigrates to Portugal for its 0% tax on cryptocurrencies. So let's take a look uh, at the articles. But before that, just want to say thank you so much to all my supporters. I've been looking at the analytics and I see a lot of people listening in to the podcast on Apple. So thank you so much. But remember, if you have Android device, you can catch me on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And of course, on the YouTube space, like, share and subscribe it does help me out greatly. Okay, let's get into it. Article number one is, this is where these factors affecting Bitcoin's price movements will take it. Bitcoin took quite a ride from its all-time high of over $69,000 to its recent low of $34,000. This has given way to the million-dollar question, what is affecting Bitcoin's price movements? Well, various interpretations are afloat. However, it's important to note that a wide range of factors from macroeconomic conditions to on-chain metrics have been influencing the king coin. Walking down the macro financial factors, while BTC's move in November looked like a fairy tale, many failed to notice that macro conditions have been dominating the short-term outlook for crypto markets. Starting with the Omicron variant, the Fed's outlook as inflation grew, a couple of global factors have been affecting the price as a whole. Interestingly, U.S. January's uh, underwhelming employment data released on 4th of February helped Bitcoin push up to the test of 40K level as a signal to the Federal Reserve that there is less inflation to take action on. Also, a potential conflict between Russia and Ukraine has been a major concern for crypto investors across the globe. These factors have led to Bitcoin's increase in correlation across markets. In fact, Bitcoin's correlation with the S&P 500 increased in January. This means that equities might be an area to watch when making price predictions for the number one digital asset. Particularly, Bitcoin and crypto broadly moved closer to risk on assets such as tech stocks. In this context, it is noted to be that traditional markets are going through a volatile earnings season and it is causing ripple effects across crypto. Besides the external factors, the price technicals seem to have interesting insights too. So what the technicals say, 
1st of January saw bulls putting up a brave fight at $48,000. However, BTC bears took over to initiate a major sell-off. The price plummeted to find support at $43,357 on 20th of January. Interestingly, following week, support turned into resistance as the bears took command. Going forward, the price saw some consolidation with the range of $39,006 to $33,927. The RSI stood in the overbought category at the time of writing, thus hinting at a trend reversal that might follow soon. MACD saw a bullish divergence post 4th of February, but a southward journey can't be ruled out. However, volume oscillator flashed a major concern as it kept in decreasing post 4th of February on the back of a rise in price. On the macro scale, BTC appears to be sliding with the bears. However, it's important to note that post-January sell-off, BTC has been following the bullish momentum in the near term, thanks to the on-chain metrics, which generally have a direct effect on the BTC price trajectories. The on-chain bullish sign. On-chain data can help identify key price levels of entry exits. Primarily, there are two main factors affecting Bitcoin's internal metrics, the decreased supply available in exchanges and the maturation of holders based on the time that they have been holding. Both are the same point to positive price action in the long run, comparing the drawdowns experienced during May to July last year and the most recent ones, the exchanges, NetFlows presented an interesting overview. Between May and June of 2021, there were significant inflows of Bitcoin in exchanges, thus leading to a sell-off that happened during the period. However, this time around, the net outflows increased, indicating that less Bitcoin is available to buy on exchanges as users tend to move these assets to cold storage or yield-generating strategies. This hints at strong buying activity from BTC holders, consequently resulting in a potential supply shock at Bitcoin shifts from being held by short-term speculators to long-term investors. Notably, the negative supply shock here is fueling BTC's move upwards. Unlike the crash in May 2021, the percentage of BTC circulating supply hasn't been moved for at least 12 months, is growing in approaching 60%. Upspent transaction outputs show the percentage holding BTC for over five years has hit a new record high too. It shows coins are maturing as they shift over from speculators to holders with long-term convictions. However, despite all the positive signs, it remains to be seen if Bitcoin will side with the bulls or if it faces strong resistance at the $42,000 mark. So there you guys have it. This is where these factors affecting Bitcoin's price movements will take it. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, article number two. What do you actually own when you buy an NFT? Three points. Since NFTs have become popular amongst the masses, bringing art and technology together, when purchasing NFTs, the work is not owned. Rather, the metadata is, an intellectual property law expert says. With the current novelty surrounding NFTs, the idea of copyright seems to create confusion and gray areas. So one of the most high-profile technological stories of 2021 has been the rise in popularity of non-fungible tokens. The newest type in the world of distributed ledgers and cryptocurrencies, this breakthrough technology has taken the art and tech world by storm. Twitter's CEO Jack Dorsey sold an NFT of his first tweet for the equivalent of $2.5 million. The NBA has been selling NBA Top Shots, unique NFTs of NBA moments, the value of which has exploded. An NFT of a collage of works by digital artist Beeple was auctioned at Christie's and sold to another crypto entrepreneur for the eye-watering sum of almost $70 million. 
old memes has been selling at auction as well with a famous meme of Nyan Cat, an animated colorful cat whose body is the shape of a pop tart selling for 300 ETH, the cryptocurrency generated by the Ethereum protocol. Over 1 million US dollars at the time of writing, musician Grimes has also reported sold over $6 million worth of digital artworks. So what is going on? What are NFTs and what does the copyright have to do with it? Well, NFT basics. First, what is an NFT? One of the most heralded use of blockchain technology is the tokenization of assets. So uh, where a token is a programmable digital unit of value that is recorded on a digital ledger, there are various types of tokens. They can represent anything from commodities and loyalty points to shares, coins, and more. While there are many different types of token standards, the most popular is found in the Ethereum infrastructure which deploys tokens using the ERC-20 standard, which sets the rules for fungible tokens. Fungible goods are by definition exchangeable regardless of the specific item you're selling or buying. Commodities tend to be fungible, silver, gold, oil, grain. Conversely, non-fungible goods are unique one-offs, like a custom-made silver necklace or a golden statuette or a painting. Non-fungible goods use a different token standard known as ERC-721. So any digital work, including physical goods, which can be represented in digital forms, such as a photo, video, or a scan can be turned into a non-fungible token. The first use of the NFT standard in the Ethereum environment was a set of pixelated images of characters called CryptoPunks and was released in June, 2017. In the intervening years, other types of works have been turned into NFTs, including memes, music albums, and digital art. So there are various types of NFTs, but the most common is a metadata file containing information encoded with a digital version of the work that is being tokenized. The other type is where the entire work is uploaded to the blockchain. These are less common as it is expensive to upload information to the blockchain. The most common type of NFT is a piece of code that is written into the blockchain. That code is made up of various bits of information. The ERC-721 standard for NFTs specifies elements that must be present and some that are optional. The first core element of an NFT is a number known as the token ID, which is generated upon the creation of the token. The second is the contract address, a blockchain address that can be viewed everywhere in the world using a blockchain scanner. The combination of elements contained in the token make it unique. Only one token in the world exists. With that combination of token ID and contract address, at its very core, the NFT is simply these two numbers. However, there are other important elements that can be present in the contract. One is the wallet address of the creator, and which helps to identify the NFT with its originator. Most NFTs also commonly include a link to where the original work can be found. This is because the non-fungible token is not the work itself, rather a unique digital signature that is linked in some way to an original work. So what are the copyright issues? From the description of NFTs above, you can be forgiven for not thinking about copyright at all. Most non-fungible tokens are a metadata file that has been encoded using a work that may or may not be subject to copyright protection. You could, in principle, create an NFT of a trademark, or if it could be a work in the public domain. Anything that can be digitized can be turned into an NFT. The original work is only needed in the first step of the process to create the unique combination of the token ID and the contract address. So in principle, NFTs have very little to do with copyright.
However, there is growing interest in NFTs from a copyright perspective, in part because a lot of works that are being traded as NFTs, such as works of art, are protected by copyright, but also because of lack of clarity about what is exactly what you get when you buy an NFT. Widespread confusion. One of the key issues is that the often widespread confusion surrounding the rights that buyers acquire when they purchase an NFT. Some buyers think they acquired the underlying work of art and its accompanying rights. However, in reality, they are simply buying the metadata uh, associated with the work, not the work itself. Some of the confusion may be caused by the amount of money spent on tokens. When Pixel art can be sold for over $1 million, it is easy to assume that the purchaser has acquired more than a string of code. There is also increasing confusion about the mainstream press when reporting on the sale of NFTs. Reporters often assume that it is the work itself that has been sold, which is not the case. Understandably, it is difficult to comprehend that buyers of NFTs are spending such large sums of money on what amounts to a metadata file, that short string of numbers and letters of dubious artistic value. But that's exactly what most NFTs are. Nonetheless, copyright may well come into play, at least for some NFTs. For example, one possible use of these tokens might be in some sort of digital rights management scheme. While most NFTs do not involve a transfer of rights, in some instances, the seller offers to turn the token into an actual transfer of copyright ownership of the original work. However, it is difficult to assess if this is compliant with the legal formalities needed to transfer copyright. For example, in the UK, the transfer of copyright under the Copyright Designs and Patents Act 1988 requires a copyright assignment that is in writing signed by or on behalf of the signer. It is difficult to see how an NFT would fulfill those requirements. Could NFT be used in other types of digital rights management? In some way, all NFTs could be seen as a form of registration insofar as blockchain could operate as an immutable record of ownership claims, acting as a means of verifying or determining authenticity, but the idea quickly runs into practical problems. Uh, not at least the fact that anyone with sufficient technical knowledge and appropriate tools can generate their own token, and this token can include any information that is entered by the author. This means that anyone can make erroneous ownership claims and write them into the blockchain. So what about licenses? In theory, it is possible uh, that any code, any type of agreement into a smart contract, a smart contract is an agreement written in code and between different parties that is stored on a blockchain and cannot be changed. If we consider a license to be a legal document that allows a user to perform an action that is otherwise restricted by copyright, then this can also be achieved with an NFT. So, at the time of writing, however, a survey of the major NFT platforms did not produce any cryptographic smart contract license in the shape of an NFT. A good number of platforms and collectible projects do not offer licenses of any type and those that do often present contradictory terms and conditions. And finally, there is potential issue of copyright infringement. Can someone generate an NFT that doesn't belong to them? This is not just idle speculation. We are already seeing several instances of alleged copyright infringement taking place. A cursory look at NFT marketplace produces many different infringing listings. Some artists have taken to social media to complain that their works were being minted as NFTs without their permission. Even public domain works from the Rich Museum in Amsterdam have been turned into the NFT. Most instances of alleged infringement have been solved outside of the courts, usually by the removal of the token from the auction platform. But at some point, one of these cases is going to be legitimate and litigated, and the 
question of whether the NFT is actually infringing a copyright holder, rights will arise. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? What do you actually own when you buy an NFT? Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right, let's keep on going. Article number three, the A to Z of what Bitcoin's recovery is suggesting. Aftermarket witness mayhem in early January, the cryptoverse is now on the path to recovery. The global cryptocurrency market cap recovered by 2.5% in the last 24 hours. This, while Bitcoin's dominance remains under 40% on CoinGecko, however, reversing its last week's slide, BTC managed to gain by 12% over the past week to trade near $42,500 at the time of writing. Broader sentiments. Marcus Sotorio, an analyst at the UK-based digital asset broker Global Block, explained that among broader positive sentiments, there has been a bounce in the crypto markets as well. He explained, quote, sentiment around the crypto market has dramatically improved over the weekend as Bitcoin has also broken out of a downtrend on the RSI dating back to October. Bitcoin broke out of two similar downtrends on the RSI within the past year, which both resulted in incredible rallies, hence potentially foreshadowing a Bitcoin rally to the upside. As per the market charts, the relative strength index uh, touched oversold levels on 8th of January, soon after the momentum indicator went under the horizontal 30 reference level before a trend reversal was seen. The RSI has been above the 50 reference level since then, keeping the sentiments bullish. Having said that, the global block analyst believes that if Bitcoin's rally continues, it will see strong resistance at $44,000 to $45,000. This on the back of continued uncertainty in the stock market. Inflows for the second week, with respect to altcoins, Satoru also commented, quote, altcoins have reacted tremendously and are set for a green week ahead. The positive sentiments are also seen in the digital asset inflows for the second straight week. CoinShares digital asset uh, involvement and investment products saw inflows totaling $19 million last week, ending 28th of January. The report further noted that while small, it continues to suggest investors are beginning to cautiously add to positions at these depressed price levels. In addition, Bitcoin alone saw inflows totaling $22 million over the same period. <clears throat> investors holding on. Here is what's worth noting that 65% of the Bitcoin investors are profitable at the current price levels. Even though it is a significant improvement over the past week, 4% of the total investors are breaking even and 30% are at a loss. CryptoQuant's research also looked at supply changes between January 25th to February 5th to conclude that the holding uh, incentive has been dominant. Interestingly, into the blocks, data seems to suggest that 57% of Bitcoin holders have been held over the token for over one year, and less than 7% of these tokens holders have been short-term investors holding BTC for less than one month. 36% of these holders have kept it up for one year. The Bitcoin fear and greed index has also turned neutral after a downward spiral with fear over the past few days. With this, Regulatory announcements can be a big influence on Bitcoin's price in the coming days, just like it has been over the past week, Sotoro added. Quote, aside from more my financial institutions adopting Bitcoin, U.S. senators spoke about Bitcoin positively last week. He concluded by saying that U.S. regulations are also undoubtedly Bitcoin's biggest risk until more clarity emerges. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? the A to Z of what Bitcoin's recovery is suggesting. 
comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, before we head into round two of the articles, just want to say thank you so much for all your support. I've been looking at the analytics and thank you so much to everyone listening in in America. I see the West Coast and the East Coast guys. So thank you so much. And shout out to the UK and Spain uh, listeners. Again, if you guys have any friends or family members that want unbiased news, please share Dave's Daily Crypto Take on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and uh, send them my way for the YouTube channel. Okay, let's keep on going. Article number four. Bitcoin will reach 200K in second half of 2022, FS Insight says. Ether could reach $12,000, the report said. So Bitcoin became increasingly correlated with equities toward the end of the fourth quarter of last year and fell when faced with the prospect of central bank tightening. FS Insight said in a note entitled Digital Assets in a Post-Cycle World. So the correlation has become more pronounced with Bitcoin and the wider crypto market now being strongly correlated with technology stocks because of legacy market capital entering the fold. Sean Farrell, head of digital asset strategy, wrote in the note on Friday. However, Bitcoin is still king. Farrell wrote, adding that the crypto could reach $200,000 in the second half of the year following a choppy start to 2022. FS Insight also said that the decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens, and other Web3 applications have driven massive growth of the Ethereum network. Ethereum is undervalued relative to cloud platforms, and Ether, which is native token of the network, could reach $12,000 in 2022, the report said. There is optimism surrounding Ethereum's transition to proof of stake in 2022, which, if it happens, would likely result in capital inflows irrespective of Bitcoin performance, the note added. Bitcoin was trading at $42,750 and Ether at $3,068 as a publication time. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? Bitcoin will reach 200K in second half of 2022, FS Insight says. Comment down below and let me know if you agree with this statement. Okay, let's keep on going. Article number five, the main topic today is the Bitcoin family immigrates to Portugal for its 0% tax on cryptocurrencies. Let's take a look at the three points in this article. Number one, Didi Taihutu, patriarch of the so-called Bitcoin family, is setting down roots in Portugal, Europe's ultimate crypto tax haven. The Dutch family of five has spent the last five years traveling to 40 different countries. The Taihutu chose Portugal for its advantageous crypto tax rules, which include a 0% tax on Bitcoin. So. Let's take a look at the article. Didi Taihatu, a patriarch of the so-called Bitcoin family, is setting down roots in Portugal uh, for Europe's ultimate crypto tax haven. Settling down is a big deal for the Dutch family of five who have traveled the world for the last five years. But after spending time in 40 countries, Portugal, which is one of the last places in Europe with a 0% tax in Bitcoin, was just too enticing of a destination to ignore. You don't pay any capital gains tax or anything else in Portugal on cryptocurrency said Taihutu. As long as you don't earn cryptocurrency for providing services in Portugal, you're in the clear. That's a very beautiful Bitcoin heaven, he said. In 2017, Taihutu, his wife, and three kids liquidated all they own, trading a 2,500 square foot house and virtually all their earthly possessions for Bitcoin and a life on the road. Uh, This was back when the price of Bitcoin was around $900. The world's biggest cryptocurrency is currently trading around $41,000 after peaking at about $69,000 in November. 
While the Taihu 2 contingent won't disclose the exact size of the crypto nest egg, the 43-year-old father of three says he safeguards the crypto, crypto fortune in secret vaults on four different continents. So presumably, their crypto stake is substantial enough to make it worth having to fly across the globe to redeem their decentralized cash. With that kind of crypto stake, tax perks in Portugal are certainly a big draw, though it doesn't hurt that the country offers a safe and pleasant way of life. In 2021, the country ranked fourth on the Global Peace Index, and it tops the list of best countries for expats. The Bitcoin family isn't alone in making the move to the Iberian Peninsula. The 2021 population census in Portugal shows that the number of foreign residents in Portugal increased by 40% in the last decade. Taihutu's siblings may also make the move. Didi's brother and sister are selling their houses and investing that cash into Bitcoin. We will all be traveling together as one big Bitcoin family, which is, of course, really cool, said Taihutu. So the 0% tax on Bitcoin, unlike the US, which treats virtual currency as property, taxing it in a manner similar to stocks or real property, Portugal views cryptocurrencies as a form of payment. That distinction is a game changer with respect to taxes. Capital gains resulting from crypto transactions, such as cashing out in crypto-to-crypto trades, are not subject to personal income taxes, explained Shihan Chadenskra, a CPA and head of tax strategy at crypto tax software company Cointracker.io. This means that similar to other fiat currencies, gains from buying or selling cryptocurrency are not taxed. It also means that crypto transactions or payments, as well as the exchange of Bitcoin for fiat money, are not subject to a value-added tax or VAT. This makes Portugal a really attractive place for crypto users to live, continued Chandreska. The only exception to the country's generous crypto scheme relates to companies registered in Portugal that deal in crypto. These businesses face some taxes under certain circumstances. If you earn cryptocurrency by providing services in Portugal, you need to pay tax on those cryptocurrencies. But I don't earn anything at the moment in Portugal. So for me, it's 0% tax, said Taihutu. Taihudu says the process of establishing residency for the family was relatively smooth and didn't require jumping through very many hoops. For example, even though they don't own any property, the Taihudus are still considered official residents of Portugal. And unlike other crypto tax havens like Puerto Rico, they aren't required to spend a certain number of days in the country. Citizens of the European Union have the right to permanent residence in Portugal, and for non-EU citizens, Portugal offers expats a few paths to residency, including the Golden Visa and the D7 Visa, also known as the Retirement Visa or Passive Income Visa, both of which tend to attract wealthy foreigners. The Portuguese Golden Visa is given to those who buy property and or invest a certain amount of money into the country. Uh, There are also steps that involve getting a tax identification number opening a bank account, and formally applying for residency companies like Plan B Passport streamline the application process for expats. We don't need to be there, and that's a beautiful part. There's no minimum requirement of staying a day in Portugal, so it's an easy setup, said Taihutu, who was based in Netherlands and with his family before they began a life on the road. CEO Katie Ananina tells CNBC the company has helped hundreds of people from countries like the US, the UK, Australia, and Canada obtain a second passport in one of seven countries, including Portugal. Plan B passport works in tandem with each government's residence or citizenship by investment programs. It's basically a donation into the substantial growth fund of the country, said Ananina. So clients make a $100,000 or $150,000 donation 
plus some due diligence fees, government fees, and then $20,000 for my legal fees. So Puerto Rico easier for US citizens. Well, moving to Portugal for the tax-free crypto life isn't so simple for Americans. Uh, if a taxpayer has a green card, it is a US citizen or a US resident uh, alien, the taxpayer owes US tax on it, any crypto gains. They have no matter where the crypto or taxpayer is located, explained John Feldhammer, a partner at law firm Baker Botts and former IRS senior litigator. It also doesn't matter if they are dual citizens. If they are U.S. citizens, they owe U.S. tax on their worldwide income. Would-be immigrants should also note that the U.S. charges citizens a fee to cut loose. When a U.S. taxpayer expatriates, they are generally subject to the exit tax, which is essentially a tax equal to what the taxpayer would be subject to if they sold all of their property the day before they gave up their citizenship, according to Feldhammer. That's why many U.S. passport holders are insisted and said sticking closer to home and heading to uh, South Puerto Rico in American territory that offers significant tax havings to qualifying residents. In the U.S., investors pay as much as 37% on the short-term capital gains and up to 20% on long-term gains, which applies to crypto and other assets held for more than a year. One of the island's tax breaks under Act 60, known as the Individual Investors Act, drops the tax obligation down to zero if certain qualifications are met. This is especially significant for entrepreneurs and crypto traders. There is also a major tax incentive for business owners to set down roots in Puerto Rico. Mainland companies are subject to 21% federal tax, uh, corporate tax, plus a state tax, which varies. If a firm exports its services out of Puerto Rico to the U.S. or really anywhere else, they pay a 4% corporate tax rate. In the end, Portugal's expat life. Utdeli, who has been researching cryptocurrencies and their underlying technology since 2013, was working as an international sales manager for a galvanization company in Ghent, Belgium when he decided to sell his house, invest in tokens, and then hit the road. After a few months traveling through Europe during the early days of COVID pandemic, he ultimately settled down in Portugal. Similar to the Taihudus, Delhi sold his house, invested two-thirds of the money into cryptocurrency, and then lived off the final third. At any given time, I may have at a maximum 10,000 euros in my bank account. All the rest is always in crypto. For Delhi, establishing residency in crypto Portugal was a no-brainer. Cryptocurrencies in Belgium are massively taxed, and I was looking at seven figures of profit. Continued Delhi, who said that he would have faced a tax obligation of close to 40% had he remained in Belgium. You want to double your profit? Just move to Portugal, he said. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? Here we have the Bitcoin family immigrates to Portugal for its 0% tax on cryptocurrencies. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, before we head out, let's look at the prices one last time. We got number one, BTC at $43,903, Ethereum at $3,136, Tether $1, BNB $432, USD coin $0.99, cents. Cardano $1.25, XRP $0.82, cents. Solana $116, Terra at $58, and last but not least, Polkadot at $22. There you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into the Crypto Take uh, podcast and YouTube video. Again, this is Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Catch me on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And if you're in the YouTube space, like, share, and subscribe. 
other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful crypto day and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.